Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. So over the next couple of episodes, maybe three, we will see. I am going to be doing our summer readings from the small book, The Green Letters by Miles J. Stanford. I hope that you'll enjoy them. I hope that you will share them. And I hope that you will give us a five-star rating and take a couple of minutes to write a one, two, or three-sentence review. This really does help us get the message out and cause others to be able to find Tent Talk Podcast. So, love you all. Thanks for being a part of all that we're doing here and letting us be a part of your life. All right, my friends, once again, I'm coming to you from a wonderfully full and alive hotel restaurant. (laughs) It's not all I do, I promise. It's just this is the place and these are the places where I'm able to stop and take a few moments and especially like today to be able to bring to you a fresh episode. Now we've just finished the reading of uh, a great chapter out of Normal Christian Life um, on sonship. This is God's eternal purpose to have for himself sons. And so we've just finished those five episodes. And now today I want to go back into um, The Green Letters by Miles J. Stanford. And interestingly enough, I want to read for you chapter 11 on self-denial. Now, I'm, I'm wanting to share this with you because I want you to be able to identify how many ways we attempt to conquer self, right? How many ways we try to, you know, just override its strength. We determine by our willpower, we do all these things. And sometimes we even attempt to have special spiritual experiences which in and of themselves you know is not the issue but it's when we are trying to use these things to overcome by our own means we completely miss that which the father son and holy spirit have already accomplished and isn't that uh, the right up front explanation of self and flesh the very thing that we seek to conquer and self cannot conquer self. So I want you to think about these. I want you to listen carefully and maybe just identify maybe where you have attempted, like me, you have attempted in some of these things. So recognize that in and of themselves, okay, I'm not saying that some of these, quote, are bad things. But when we keep trying to take other means other than what God has offered through the cross of Jesus Christ, then this just keeps us in cycles of frustration. But number one, it keeps denying the Father that which is His, which happens to be you. So coming off of uh, the magnificent truths of chapter 7 in the normal Christian life on God's eternal purpose, we can see why Why would we spend our time on such things. They don't lead to, they don't lead to our freedom unto Him. 
So, here we go, my friends. Chapter 11, The Green Letters on Self-Denial. When a believer begins to discover something of the awful tyranny of the self-life, or has been endlessly struggling against that tyranny, he becomes intensely concerned about the denial of self, with the resultant freedom to rest and grow in Christ. Man has many ways of seeking to escape the thraldom of self. God has but one way. First, then, some of these man-centered methods. Mortification. Denying oneself certain things for a time or even for all time is not even close to the answer, since the old nature will adjust and thrive under any conditions, anything short of death to self. Quote, there have been those who have thought that to get themselves out of the way it was necessary to withdraw from society, so they denied all natural human relationships and went into the desert or the mountain or the hermit's cell to fast and labor and struggle to mortify the flesh. While their motive was good, it is impossible to commend their method, for it is not scriptural to believe that the old Adam nature can be conquered in that manner. It yields to nothing less than the death of the cross. It is altogether too tough to be killed by abusing the body or starving the affections." Close quote. That quote was from A. W. Tozer. Next method, conquest. Probably the most drawn out and exhausting effort of all is the believer's struggle to conquer and control this rebel self. More meetings, more Bible study, more prayer are all resorted to, but neither are these God's answer to this problem. Next method, training. Here is a favorite that has been tried and found wanting down through the ages. Good Christian training and culture in the right homes, churches, and schools have been relied upon to subdue the old nature and bring it into line. Next method, revivalism. Another failure has been the practice of holding special meetings once or twice a year. This involves outside leadership, a stranger to the individual problems, and the devastating revival routine, confession, new resolutions, etc., in the hope that something will change. But it rarely does, and then not for long. Next method, growth. So many dear Christians just keep plodding or racing through the deadening routine of their multitudinous church activities and duties, expecting that in time, self will change for the better as they grow. But self never changes into anything but more of the same. Quote, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Close quote. John 3, 6. Sometimes this self is entirely bad as when it is angry, spiteful, unkind, unjust, untruthful, unloving, catty. In other cases, a good exterior conceals an evil heart, as when we are proud of our humility, conceited about our Christian service, boastful of our orthodoxy, and an over-forwardness and obvious conceit at the sound of one's own voice spoils many a prayer meeting. Next method, cleansing. Up to the moment, confession and consequent cleansing have also constituted a popular method. However, 1 John 1.9 has to do with sins already committed 
and not with the source self from which they emanate. Our sins are dealt with by the blood. We ourselves are dealt with by the cross. The blood procures our pardon. The cross procures deliverance from what we are in Adam. The blood can wash away my sins, but it cannot wash away my old man. I need the cross to crucify me, the sinner. Now, those few sentences were a quote directly from the uh, first chapters of The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Next method, experiences. Now, be careful how you listen to this one, okay? Experiences. Today, one of the prevalent attempts for something better is to go in for the baptism of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, etc. This is by far the most dangerous and pathetic trap of all, as it is simply self, neurotically and religiously rampant. Calvary precedes Pentecost. Death with Christ precedes the fullness of the Spirit. Power. Yes, God's children need power. But God does not give power to the old creation, nor to the uncrucified soul. Satan will give power to the old Adam, but not God. Which of us does not know something of the failure of our ways, well-intentioned as they may be? What most do not know is that this very failure is the path to learning and entering into God's way. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Now just what is God's way of self-denial? He has but one way, and it is on the basis of all his other ways, the principle of the finished work. His way for us in everything is the way he has already traveled, conquered, and completed in Christ. The cross, God's way. It was on the cross of Calvary that God, in Christ, dealt fully and finally with self, the nature from which all our sins flow. We know that our old, unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. Romans 6, 6, Amplified. The reason there is no other way for self to be denied is that God has done the work in this way. Our identification with Christ Jesus in his death and resurrection, it is done. Now ours to believe. The flesh will only yield to the cross, not to all the resolutions you make at a conference, not to any self-effort, not to any attempted self-crucifixion, only to co-crucifixion, crucified together with Christ. Galatians 2.20 It is not by putting yourself to death, but by taking through faith and surrender your place of union with Christ in his death. That is the blessed barrier of safety between you and all the attractions of the flesh. 
and that makes the way open to do the will of God. Quote from G. Watt. The cross of Calvary resulted in the death of the Lord Jesus, both for sin and unto sin. In that he died unto sin, he died out of the realm of sin, and he arose into the realm of newness of life, eternal life. And our identification with him on Calvary took us into death, down into the tomb, up into newness of life. Romans 6, 4. First, Romans 6, 3. Baptized into his death. Then Romans 6, 4. Buried with him. Then Romans 6, 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Also, Colossians 3, 3. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Therefore, Romans 6.11 Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord. It all happened at Calvary. Our sins were paid for. Our sinfulness was dealt with. And both by the ultimate death. And we receive the benefits of the work of the cross simply by reckoning on, believing in, the finished work of the cross. First, through the word, we find out what God did about our problem. Then, as we become thoroughly convinced of the fact and begin to understand it clearly, we are able to agree to reckon it true. And as we exercise faith in God's fact, we begin to receive the benefits of that finished work in experience. Was it not true in the matter of our justification? Yes. And we will likewise find it to be true in the matter of our emancipation from the slavery of the self-life. The powerful effect of the cross with God in heaven in the blotting out of guilt and our renewed union with God is inseparable from the other effect, the breaking down of the authority of sin over man by the crucifixion of self. Therefore, Scripture teaches us that the cross not only works out a disposition or desire to make such a sacrifice, but it really bestows the power to do so and completes the work. This appears with wonderful clarity in Galatians. In one place, the cross is spoken of as the reconciliation for guilt, 3.13. But there are three more places where the cross is even more plainly spoken of as the victory over the power of sin, as the power to hold in the place of death, the eye of the self-life, of the flesh, the outworking of self, and of the world. Referring to Galatians 2.20, Galatians 5.24, and Galatians 6.14. In these passages, our union, identification with Christ, the crucified one, and the conformity to him resulting from the union are represented as the result of the power exercised within us and upon us by the cross. That's closing a quote from Andrew Murray.
As we learn to stand upon the finished work of Calvary, the Holy Spirit will begin to faithfully and effectively apply that finished work of the cross to the self-life, thereby holding it in the place of death, inactive, resulting in the not I, but Christ life. That, my friends, is succinctly some of the clearest truth that you can take, go into the scripture, and let Holy Spirit make real to you that which has already been done. Now let me say this. Enlisting those methods, we are not saying that the method, right, of growth is like, of course there's growth. We're growing as the new man. What he's saying is, whether it was talking about baptism in the spirit or growth or training, is these are not means by which you're going to deal with the self-life. It's not going to happen. So do not hear him saying that there shouldn't be baptism in the spirit, growth, training, right? But we have taken all of these methods. We have tried so hard, independent of God, to still be trying to solve our problem. But they, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, have, have dealt with self, with sin, with flesh, with hell, the devil, demons, all debts, our depravity, everything, the world, the curse, everything. In the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is why Paul finally came to say, not my cleverness, not my eloquence of speech, nothing. I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. So I pray that this episode today, even though there's the restaurant music, there's babies crying in the background, life is happening around us, my friends, but we can we can focus in on him. Give Holy Spirit time to speak to you and to make real to you over the hours, the days, the weeks ahead. Let them tend to you, my friends. They have put all these things to death. Now put your faith in what they have done. Put your faith in them. Ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, do according to Romans eight thirteen and 14. Do with me as the Father sent you to do and be to me who the Father sent you to be. My friends, we have much living to do as sons unto the Father. So let their means of dealing with the old in all of its forms use what they have provided so that we can get on with living. I pray that this conversation today under the big tent of God's presence in the provoking process of discipleship invigorates you to take your next steps with him. So I am closing out uh, this trip here in Europe for the month of June, Uh, not finishing the summer readings series, but just closing out as here in just a few hours, for me, a few hours. I will be getting on my plane 
and heading home to Texas and um, praying over, maybe you'll join me in praying over all of the seed that was deposited in Germany, Norway, Poland, and all of the great people and inside the nations. We pray over that deposit that none of it will be snatched away, suffocated out, choked out. None of it will be trampled underfoot. It will bear its fruit in its season and it will be fruit that remains because we're going to be back in August and we're going to continue on. So I love you all. And don't forget today, today is NMM Partner Day. It would be my honor to have you come on board as a financial partner, whether you want to make a one-time gift or become a recurring monthly partner at whatever amount we want to be um, a place where you can sow in so that we are able to continue the work of discipling nations, of producing producers in the USA and any nation that God opens the door. So would you consider today taking just a minute or two, go to nancymccrady.com. There's probably a link on our social media today. You can click that link and it'll take you right there. But you can just go to nancymccrady.com. You can hit the giving button and you can then hit the next button, which will give you the options for NMM partner giving. Take the time, my friends. And join with us because we are proud to be joined with you when we bring Tent Talk podcast, when we're doing the Producers Way School and all the other premier discipleship projects here at Nancy McCready Ministries, whether it's Cross Encounter, it's uh, intensives, it's our school, it's conversations, it's whatever it may be, everything is moving towards the goal of giving to the Father all that is already His. So thank you. If you are a partner, thank you. If you're not yet a partner, become one today. It would be our honor to be in this together with you at a whole new level. So I love you all, and we will talk soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.